In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Um, I'm going to start a short series. Um, it'll be a three-part series, God willing, um, called Spiritual Exile. And um, each of these three parts, we're going to speak about something related to the fact that we, as the children of God, whose home and native country is in heaven, as citizens of heaven, and yet God is calling us to live during this part of our lives while on the earth. And the rules of earth and the, 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 the laws that govern earth and the principles of the earth and the values of the earth and the things of the earth are one, and the things of heaven and the values of heaven and, and, and the way things are done in heaven and the joys of heaven are, are something else, complete. And so while we are citizens of heaven, and we are called to be living as though we are in heaven. And while we are praying and asking God, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we are still living on the earth. So in that sense, we are in a kind of an exile, similar to how uh, the Israelites, when they were taken exile to, to Babylon, to captivity, um, as a consequence, as a punishment from God because of their sin. And they lived there in this place in Babylon uh, which like represents like the, the, the earthly place, the worldly place, the place where they could not practice their religion, the place where they could not worship in the temple, the place where they were even forbidden from praying. Like in, in this exile, right, that they were in, they lived in a kind of separation and isolation and always remembering that they are not in their native country. They are not in their native home, right? And so just as in the sense that they were physically exiled from one nation to another, from their home to another, we are part of this uh, spiritual exile. And actually, King David, he writes about um, this uh, longing to return back to their home, the longing to return back to Israel, to Zion. And we read this um, in Psalm 137, um, when King David says, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land, Right. If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill, right? Meaning what? <clears throat> if we always, um, while we are in Babylon, so to speak, while we are in this, uh, this symbolic Babylon, if we forget that we are not made to be here, if we forget that this is not actually our home, then we will completely lose our identity, right? We will completely be dissolved in this world. We will find ourselves acting like we belong here and that we, 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 you know, we set up our shop here. We set up our place here like this becomes all our full investment. Our full investment goes into here because this is where we feel that we belong, where we are from. Right. This is where I am from. This is I am from the earth. I am from dust. Right. And I don't I don't remember that I am also spirit. So it's important for us. To, to, to understand this concept of that we are in exile. And so over these next three weeks, we're going to speak about different aspects of being in this spiritual exile, okay? Um, the first one that I'm going to speak about today, because the gospel reading is all about children, and it's all about being converted and becoming like children so that we will inherit the kingdom of God. And it says in Matthew 18, verse 3, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven, right? So what does this have to do with this idea of exile? 
Children are born innocent and they are born pure. But it's up to us as we raise our children to remind them always that this place is not their true home, right? Just as we as, um, as the adults, as the mature ones, as the ones who have, you know, more enlightenment, more understanding, we understand that we are in the state of spiritual exile. We, as we raise our children, we should raise them with the same sense. Um, you know, anyone who's had children that have been baptized in the church knows that at the end of the baptism, there is this commandment that is read, that the priest reads to the parents of those who have uh, children have been baptized. And essentially in this commandment, it says everything that, that the parents are responsible for in raising their children, right? To protect them, to keep them safe. This idea of the family as the core unit of the Christian faith is, is so important for us to understand, okay? This is the way that God intended for the a Christian life to be, that we are supported by family, right? The, the, of course, there's a lot of instruction um, that is done in the church. And of course, in the church, we, you know, we partake of the sacraments, which is necessary for salvation. But so much of the modeling, the day-to-day -day modeling of what does it mean to be Christ-like is done in the family, right? In the raising of children. And, and, and this is not just something that is for those who have children. Any of us is called to model what is the right Christian behavior to others, right? Any of us is called to be an example, right? And so here, God is making it so clear of how precious children are and what a great resource they are. So the idea of, um, you know, of spiritual exile, it, it applies to me as an individual, applies to my family as a whole, that we as a family are always remembering that we are in exile here. This is not my final home. We have to maintain the faith even while we are in the midst of exile. So we're going to read a little bit from the book of Malachi because the book of Malachi speaks about this topic, about the importance of family um, and, and, and how God values it. Okay? So um, here in verse 10, chapter 2, it says, Have we not all one father? Have not one, has not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously with one another? by profaning the covenant of the fathers, right? Here he's speaking about the people of Israel as a whole, or, or in, in a larger context, the church as a whole, all the believers, right? He's saying, have we not all one father? Are we not all one family, right? The, the, one of the main um, functions of the church is to support one another as one family, as one unit, as, as united together in, in one name, in the name of Christ, right? Because we are the body of Christ. He is the head and we are the body, okay? And all the believers are one because we have one father. And this unity, it transcends time, it transcends culture, it transcends language, and it transcends race, it transcends anything. There is no division or separation between us when we are united together in Christ, okay? And so our source of relationship is not because we have anything in common other than the fact that we have one father. And this is important for us as a church to understand is the church is not a place to unite people that speak a language or speak a, uh, or, or, you know, share a common background or have a common heritage or that's not, that's not the source of unity of a church, right? The source of unity of a church is that we all have one father. 
and, and that we all have one father because we have accepted the faith, because we have been baptized in the faith, because we are the body of Christ, right? And so this bond that we have with each other is not simply um, a bond based on similarities, like superficial similarities, but it is a spiritual bond that is, that is knitted together through God himself, by God himself. So God, he made a covenant, right, with us. He called us to be his people. And in the Bible study, we're studying in the book of Genesis and speaking about the covenant that God has made with Abraham and how God is calling all of us to be his people, right? And that he offers us all of these promises, okay? He calls us to live with this understanding and this knowledge that we are not of this place, right? This is, again, when we speak about spiritual exile, we are not of this place. God's covenant exists with us even while we are here, not in this place, uh, living in this place that is not our own home, right? And in breaking the covenant, right, with God actually destroys our bonds with one another, right? When someone breaks their, their bond, or someone wants to break the covenant, when someone is essentially forgets that they are in spiritual exile and that instead believes that this is their home, it causes them to, to, uh, to fall away from the church, to fall away from, from God, to fall away from the other people that are knit together as this one bond and one family with one father, right? So, so again, the, the idea of, of maintaining our faith, of maintaining our purity, of maintaining our, 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 our worldview, of maintaining... The, the path that we are called to walk, right, is, is necessary not just for me as an individual, but for the church as a whole and for our families in general, okay? What is, um, when, what does God continue here in, about the family unit? When he says, Judah has dealt treacherously and an abomination has been committed in Israel and Jerusalem, for Judah has profaned the Lord's institution, which he loves, he has married the daughter of a foreign god, okay? What is this referring to? So at the time, right, um, God had always called the Israelites to remain faithful and to intermarry only with other Hebrews because God knew that if the people were to marry with Gentiles, with the other pagan nations, that they would intermarry with them, they would follow after their gods, they would fall away from their faith, right? And, 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 and they would leave, right? Or they would introduce pagan practices into Israel, okay? Which is exactly what, what happened, which is why God eventually um, exiled them to, to Babylon, okay? And this is why he's saying Judah has dealt treacherously, right? Because they have intermarried with these foreign gods. And so individually, as well as as a nation, individually, um, the men, for instance, they would... Uh, leave their wives, um, their, their Israelite wives, and they could go and intermarry with foreign gods, right? And so, so he's going to speak about this idea of divorce and the family and, and, and so on, okay? Um, so again, the church is made up of individuals and families, right? And, and God is here rebuking the, 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 the people who were discarding these families. They were discarding the, the, the families that were part of the faith, that were part of their, their, their you know, they all shared one God as their father, right? They would leave these families, okay? They would be unfaithful to these families and they would separate themselves from this and they would go and intermarry with these 
foreign gods or these Gentile women who were paid. Okay, that's what was happening. And so God speaks about the importance here of the family unit. And certainly we see and know very well the importance of the family for us today as well. That here we support one another again through our families. Each person is called to be faithful. And when they marry, they are called to marry someone who is faithful. They're called to raise their children in the faith, right? We baptize our children as they are children based on the faith of the parents, right? And the parents promise to raise that child in the faith. We are living in a time more than at any other time where there is distraction, right? There is distraction everywhere. There is distraction nonstop. There is so much distraction that like sometimes you don't even know where to go to be distracted because there's so much distraction. Um, if someone does not choose to live intentionally, purposefully, um, growing in faith and understanding of God and love of God in prayer in church, and if someone does not choose this lifestyle, then that lifestyle will not happen, right? We, are, we don't live in a place or in a world where you will just accidentally become Christian where you will just accidentally be faithful, where you will accidentally be obedient, where you will accidentally do good. We live in a world that is constantly tempting us, pushing us, fighting us, wanting us to do evil, wanting us to be ignorant, wanting us to remain in darkness. And unless we make an active step toward the light, we will remain in darkness. And, and, and children who are born, and the, the gospel uh, today was speaking about children, children who are born, right, without any guidance, without any instruction, without any direction, without stability in the family, are simply and very easily going to just be sucked into the darkness, right? Because there is nothing there to prevent it. The, 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 the family is intended, right, to prevent this from happening. The family is intended to connect each individual believer to the church, right? And, and we are connected together, connected in the church, having one father and remembering always that we are what? We are in spiritual exile, right? This is what should unite the church. You know, when I always think about the difference between the church in Egypt and the church here in the United States and really in other countries, the church in Egypt knows how much they need each other. The church in Egypt is so knit together, right? The church in Egypt, the church is such an integral part of their life because they identify it as the most important thing in their life and everything else revolves around the church you know like in egypt you might have like somebody wants to make plans and they go see well oh yeah but there's a meeting that i want to attend in church so i can't have my my the plans i want to do on that day because I, there's a meeting uh oh uh the church is planning to have this trip uh no i have to i have to go on this trip so i'm going to change my plan so it doesn't conflict with the trip like that's the mentality right the mentality is the church is the first, and then everything else I have comes after, right? As opposed to the mentality of, oh, no, I can't go to this church meeting. I can't do this again because I already have plans. See, it's opposite. Like, you know, the, the way sometimes we approach it is opposite. It's a question of priorities, right? And it's a question, again, of what do I feel is the most important? Church is necessary for us because we are in exile. Church is necessary for us because we uh, need to always be protected from this world and from the attachments in the world. And this is the message that God wants to give here. Okay. What are the consequences of unfaithfulness? What does God say here in verse 12? When he's speaking about these people who have left 
the nation of Israel who have left their faithful wives, who have gone after foreign gods, who have gone after pagan women. What, what, is, what is God saying? He says, may the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob the man who does this, being awake and aware, yet who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. So he's saying these people who are doing this, these people who are, who are separating themselves, those people who are being unfaithful, right, to their wives, who are being unfaithful to the nation of Israel, right, who are being unfaithful to God, right? But they are still coming and they're bringing an offering to the Lord of hosts, right? They who have, you know, des they're destroying their families, they're destroying their faith, they're destroying everything. This is why they were led to exile. This is why God punished the Israelites for, for doing all these things. And yet, year after year, they would still make offerings. They would still worship in the temple. If you look at the time of Christ, right, the temple worship was ongoing. And, and even as the Pharisees lived corruptly and taught the people to be corrupt, and even as the people were living in darkness and confusion right, and sinfulness, they were still offering to the Lord of hosts, right? So God here, he rejected their hypocritical worship, right? And, and, they, and he cut them off. And so he's saying, may the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob, the man who does this, the man who is truly unfaithful, the man who does not, who, who does not seek to protect, the one who does not seek to, 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 to restrain himself from the worldly attachments, the one who does not live as though they are in a spiritual exile, to them they will be led to physical exile, which is what happened, right? Um, so here this is a calling for us, saying, are we going through the motions of worship? Are we going through the motions of offering to the Lord of hosts? while at the same time, the man who does this being awake and aware, meaning, meaning I know that I am sinning. I know that I am doing wrong. I know that I live for the world. I know that I live for the lust of the world. I know that I live for the pleasures of the world. I know that this world is my home and I, I treat it as such that I have love for this world, so much attachment in this world. And yet to appease my conscience, to appease other people, to do whatever for whatever reason, I am still coming and offering to the Lord of hosts while I am living in this other way, right? This is what God is saying, right? The consequences of unfaithfulness. Again, this is, we are called to, to, to live in holiness and righteousness as, as individuals and as families, right? Because, because, because this is the way that we will remain, right? And we will not simply dissolve into the world that we will not simply cease from being, that there will come a time where there will be no Christians, right? There will, there will be, be a time where who is left to worship? Who is left to, to be faithful, right? Um, in the scripture, when it says, when Christ comes, is he even going to find faith on the earth, right? Which is a scary thought, right? In this verse, it says, when, 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 when Christ comes, is he even going to find faith on the earth? Will there be even a single person who is faithful, Right? And, and it seems like an extreme thing to think about, but more and more the church is being eroded, right? And, and often from the inside, right? By, by people who exactly here, as it says here in verse 12, who are still offering to the Lord of hosts, right? But even as I offer to the Lord of hosts, where, where is this a superficial offering? 
Is it just an offering from the outside that, that goes through the motion of offering, right? Whereas for the rest of my life, I'm living in the world, or is it really a desire for a sacrifice to the Lord? Am I offering myself to the Lord of hosts, or am I simply making an offering that is superficial? Okay. Offering, he speaks about this offering being defiled in verse 13. It says, and this is the second thing you do. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and crying. So he does not regard the offering anymore, nor receive it with goodwill from your hands. Okay. What is he speaking about here? Those divorced wives, those, those the families, the wives of those men that had left them to go after these pagan women. They came crying to God, right? About what was happening to them, right? And, 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 and God no longer accepted the offering of the people because of the sin that they were committing, right? And, and, and this was the, the response of God. Is He's saying, I will no longer accept your offerings because your offerings are done superficially. Your offerings are done with a duplicitous heart. Your, your, your offerings are not being given to me with the right reason, with true repentance, right? With true repentance. It, it's not that you're coming to me wanting to change it says you're coming just wanting to appease your conscience. You're coming, you're just saying, oh, I've done my offering. Now I can go live my life however I want to live, right? So, so even though you might come to the Lord with tears, even though you might come to the Lord with an appearance of repentance, but there is no true repentance. In verse 14, it says, yet you say, for what reason? Because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth, with whom you have dealt treacherously, Yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. So these men, after hearing from the Lord that he is cutting them off, he would come, they would ask the question, why? Why are you cutting them off? Why are you cutting me off? And he says, because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of youth, because of the way of the treachery, because you have dealt treacherously with your wife, because you have been unfaithful to your family. Okay? This is seeing now, the, the way that God is seeing his, the, these families, right? He, these families exist for a purpose. These families exist to, to, to raise up children. These families exist to express the love of God to one another. These families exist so they could be a model of a church. You know, when during the crowning ceremony, when, um, when a man and a woman get married, right? They, they dress the, the man uh, with like the, 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 the robe of a priest, which is the same robe that a priest wears on his day of ordination, right? And this is to show what, that he is the spiritual leader of, of the home and that the home is a church. It is not simply a house, right? It is a place where God should dwell. It's a place where, where we are making offering to God on a daily basis, not just through some, you know, ritual, but through our daily exercise of love for one another, of sacrifice for one another, of a desire for God to be in our homes, and so on. So here, these people are asking this question, why is it that you are dealing with us this way? Why are you cutting us off? It's like, do, do you even know how you should be living? Do you even know from, from where you have fallen, of where you were and where you are now, that you're living this treacherous life? Okay. So then he goes on, and this is really one of the um, one of the key verses, actually uh, speaking about family, actually speaking about the whole Bible. He says, but did he not make them one? He's speaking about um, the, 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 the married couple, the man and the woman, 
right? With the head of the family. He says, but did he not make them one? Having a remnant of the spirit. And why one? He seeks godly offspring. Therefore, take heed to your spirit and let none deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. Okay. Why is it that unity and faithfulness in marriage was so important? Why is it that they were to become one? Here, God says the answer. He seeks godly offspring. Okay. He, he wanted a place to preserve the family. He wanted a family to preserve the faith. Right. The, the, the family is a place where the faith should, should thrive. The family is a place where we teach our children the fear of God. The family is the place where we model love and kindness and goodness and humility and obedience and submission and, and, and fairness and justice. All of these principles of God, all of these things that God wants to teach his people, where are they taught? Yes, in the church we give sermons and we have Sunday school lessons. And we have activities that can all support these teachings. But where is it that this, these, these characteristics are going to be born? They're going to be born in the family. They're going to be modeled in the family more than in any other place. You know, and now, unfortunately, we have so much busyness. You know, when we ask ourselves, how much time do I spend with my children? You know, I've heard from many people during this time, of like quarantine and COVID and people working from home and staying home and children being home. A lot of people have said, I have a lot more time now to spend with my kids, you know, which is a good thing that can come out of all of this. But it's something that we need to learn that we need to spend time with our kids. We need to spend time with each other as family to preserve the family, to grow the family, because the, the, the family's primary role is to raise godly offspring. This is what he says, to raise godly offspring. This is, this is why the family unit is so important. This is why God says there is no divorce. This is why God says the unity is so important. Because this is the place where the future believers are born. Here. Not just those that can memorize Bible verses, but those who live according to the principles of God. Right? So that when they come to church, yes, all of these principles are enforced. You know? But if you have a family that is not modeling like a Christian love, right, in the home, then when you bring them to church and we speak to them about Christian love, it all sounds kind of like, like foreign to them. It's like, okay, yeah, God says we should do this and this, but where do I see this practice? Where do I see this happening? You know, maybe I don't see. And instead, what I see is social media and the hatred that's there. And instead, I see it on the news and the hatred that's there. And instead, I see it maybe in the way that other kids treat uh, each other in school and that's and the hatred that's there. And that's the only experience, right, that maybe young impressionable minds have of what does it mean to be truly faithful, to be a truly faithful Christian, right? And so we in the family have this um, obligation and duty and responsibility before God. Again, we are in spiritual exile. This is, a, this is our exile, right? We, we have to protect each other during this time, okay? So then he says what? For the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce, for it covers one's garments with violence, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. Why? He's rebuking these men who are leaving their wives and going after other wives. He says what? 
it covers one's garment with violence, right? Because you are breaking apart the 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 the, the unit, the family that is designed to raise these children, right? To 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 teach these children to be a place of stability and love, right? So um we can ask them this question is how is it that do we live how is it that do we live okay and i do want to say also that sometimes we are the victims of the broken families you know maybe we're not the ones who are initiating the brokenness like in this case these women um whom god is speaking about in this case in israel they it was it was not them who initiated these divorces it was not them who who, who, who broke this family, right? And this is not to say that God does not work even still, right? But certainly it is all the more, all the more um, uh, difficult, right? You know, when you have someone who is a single parent, for instance, a single parent has a lot of responsibilities, a lot of things that they have to do. And maybe they have to work even more than before. Maybe they spend even less time with their kids than before, right? And yet it is still our obligation. It is still our duty. It is the purpose of family. It is the purpose of parenting. It is the purpose of being a parent. You know, sometimes we, 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 we think of parenting as primarily something that we do in order to meet the physical needs of our kids, right? Like we have to put food on the table, which of course we have to. But there is so much deeper here. Right. When, when in verse 15, when he said, why did he make them one? He didn't say he made them one because they have higher income. You know, God didn't say I made them one. I made I made them to have two parents so that they could have higher income so that they could provide better for their kids. That's not what he said. He said he made them one because he seeks godly offspring, because he wants the offspring to be godly, because he wants them to be filled with the Holy Spirit, because he wants them to see. Right. And this is why he says he hates divorce. Because it makes it all the harder to have godly offspring. doesn't mean that it's impossible for sure, but it is difficult, right? And, and we who, who, you know, maybe people who are, who are single parents need to work even harder and even more, not just to put food on the table, but to also raise our children, you know, in this godly way. So here in this last slide, how do we live, okay? In Ephesians 6.4, when he's speaking to hear about like the parents, he's saying, and you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Right? Training and admonition. You know, sometimes for our kids, what we want from them is just to be quiet and to stay, you know, letting us to have our time to do all of the responsibilities and things that we have. And and, 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 and maybe now, like during this time where kids have not been in school for so long, even more, like we have busy work we have to do, we have things where we have, and you know, and we just want our kids to just kind of like, we want to tune them off for a little bit so that we can finish what we want. And it's difficult for us to always have them with us all the time, right? But, but what is it that we're really teaching? We, 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 it says here, we need to bring them up in training and admonition. There has to be training. Right. The, 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 the day of our child should not just be spent in uh, activities that occupy their time so that they get out of, stay out of trouble or that they, you know, like get out of, out of our hair. You know, there's training. It's a training like and training is something that's requires some methodology to it. 
right? It requires some sense. It requires some, some logic to it. It requires some understanding of what is it that my child needs to learn at every stage of their life, right? Whether it be, you know, academic learning, emotional things that they need to learn, dealing with people, spiritual things in all aspects, right? Um, what do we model for our kids? Do our kids see us that we read the Bible, right? Because we can't get them to read the Bible otherwise. Do they see that we pray? Do they see that we go to church? Do they see that we speak kindly to one another and patiently? Or am I always snapping? Am I always losing my temper? Am I always yelling? Do they see us serving one another, right? Do, how, do, how do we spend our time? Do they see us spending our time wisely? Do they see that we have godly friends so that they would then have godly friends, okay? Um, how consistent are we in doing all of these things, okay? And of course, there's many, many more things, but the, the bottom line question that we ask ourselves is, if I am not doing these things, then how can I expect that my children will do them? If I do not have a strong relationship with God, then how will my children have such a relationship? Because not only that, it is my job to kindle that relationship that they have with God, that they see me as someone who represents God to them because I'm coming to bring them the message of God. I'm coming to tell them this is what God wants us to, how God wants us to live and not just how you should live, but how I will live, how we will live as a family, right? Up until the point where the child has grown and now can leave, right? And they leave not just as a person who is educated, but they leave as a person who is like in all aspects formed, like formed in Christ, like is a person who now will continue this same life of faith on their own, right? So this is a part of the spiritual exile, right? We understand that we live in exile, that society is not going to raise my children for me because the society around me has vastly different principles and values than the values that we should have. And the more I allow that society to enter, I have to be very careful about what I, what I allow in. I have to filter everything, right? What is it that I am allowing in? Is what I'm allowing in, you know, it used to be the case where anything that was made for children was for the most part, okay. I mean, maybe when I was growing up, that's how it was. Anything that was really made for children, society's values were maybe at a stage where we protected our children. We wanted our children to learn certain things and that were very common maybe between Christians and non-Christians at the time. Nowadays, you have things that are made for children that are horrendous, right? It, again, it requires more effort, more effort from us to be vigilant and to not allow things in, not to allow garbage in that's then going to damage our children. And so this is a part of being in exile. We have to accept it and understand it, right? The, the, the world around us is not helping us to raise our children. The world around us is making it harder, harder to do so. And we have to have that understanding to, 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 to motivate us to take action. Like I said before, in order for us to live successfully as Christians in this world, in the exile that we're in, we have to live intentionally and purposefully, right? If we don't live intentionally and purposefully, we will not accidentally become faithful. We will not accidentally become obedient. We will not accidentally become submissive to God. We will not accidentally be loving. All of those characteristics that we want and that we want our children to have must be intentional. 
must be intentional and must come from the parents to the children, from the parents to the children supported by the church. So may God grant us this wisdom, this energy, this drive, the desire, the, the understanding of how for each of our children to show them this love and protection, to protect them from the sinful influences in the world, and that we as a church also support this work in wisdom and love for our children to protect them um, and, and to be like them. Because again, Christ said, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven and glory be to God forever. Amen.